0: you're listening to the homeschooling families podcast by teach them diligently welcome every week we bring you simple answers to help your homeschool family thrive i'm leslie nunnery and i am so glad you're here over the last few years i've had the privilege of hearing some amazing stories by those who've been blessed to receive not only the gift of an operation christmas child shoebox but also have received Jesus as their savior because of the gospel message they received with their gift. I can't even express how my heart has been blessed by their testimonies and how motivated they've made me to participate even more in the ministry that impacted their lives so much. Today's gift received a shoebox, but his story is much different than any of the others I've heard as his dad was a pastor during a time when it was very risky to be a believer in Ukraine, let alone to pastor a flock. My heart was encouraged as he told about his parents and their faith. And I cannot wait for you to hear all about it too. Joining me today is Vladimir Proknevsky. Growing up in Ukraine in a family of nine kids, Vladimir didn't get many gifts and food was a luxury. One harsh winter in Kiev, Ukraine, Vlad and his siblings rode a bus and then a tram to get to the church where shoeboxes were handed out. The brightly colored gift stood out immediately. He was so excited about this gift and time seemed to stand still for a brief moment. The shoebox represented God's love that heals everything, allowing Vlad and his siblings to forget their struggles for a moment and just feel love. Vlad's family moved to the States in 2001, and today he lives in Charlotte, North Carolina with his wife and two young boys. Before we hear Vlad's story, I want to encourage you to check out our Sunday night homeschool subjects email. It's totally free, and we believe that the 15 minutes or less that it will take you to read it over and check out the resources and links we share there will jumpstart your week and get you off on the right foot each time. Plus, Once you sign up, you can share homeschool subjects with your friend using your unique referral link to earn fun homeschool swag beginning with just one referral. Go to homeschoolsubjects.com to learn more and sign up today. Today's episode is brought to you by Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child demonstrates God's love to children worldwide by delivering gift-filled shoeboxes and the good news of Jesus Christ. Each shoebox is an opportunity for a child to hear the gospel and be invited into a 12-lesson discipleship program, The Greatest Journey. Since 1993, more than 198 million children have received a shoebox gift. And since 2010, more than 30.9 million children have been discipled children are now praying for and sharing their faith with family and friends. As a result of this ever-expanding witness, new churches are starting and communities are being transformed. Together we're working to see a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Revelation 7, 9-10. Learn more about packing shoeboxes at SamaritansPurse.org forward slash OCC and find fun resources for your family at samaritanspurse.org slash children's ministry resources. And I'll leave that link right there in the show notes. National Collection Week is coming up November 14th through 21st. So get your family together and start packing those boxes today. You will be so glad you did. So now without further ado, Please join me in welcoming Vladimir Proknevsky to the podcast. Proknevsky? We'll see if I got that right. To the podcast today, Vlad grew up in Ukraine in a pastor's family during a really difficult time, and I'm so excited for you to hear his story. So, Vladimir, welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast, and I look forward to hearing your stories and and actually letting the families who are listening in hear them as well. Can you tell us just a little bit about kind of where you are today and what your background is so that then as we dive in, they have a little bit of context for, for where you've come?
1: Um, Sounds good. Well, today I live in beautiful and sunny Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, and uh, I'm a father of two boys. I have a nine-year-old and a six-year-old. I've been married for 12 years. i was a small business owner and uh, just trying to jo- enjoy everyday life with my, my young family.
0: Well, praise the Lord. Yeah, young, young families, kids, especially your kids, age nine and six, so much fun. And the conversations are getting better and better every day because they're starting to to get, grow up a little bit, they can as, assess things and they got stuff that they're passionate about. And I loved that stage of life.
1: Absolutely, oh, they're amazing. I, I love spending time with my boys. Like I said before this interview, I learned more from them than they do from me sometimes.
0: Oh, I have no doubt, no doubt at all. Um, Well, tell us a little bit about your story, Vlad. I know that you grew up in Ukraine. Um, I I watched your video. We're going to link to the video about your story as well. So I know that you grew up in a pastor's family, but it was a really difficult time. So I would love for you to share with us kind of what, what your story is, but also what life was like at that point.
1: Absolutely. So I come from a family, a huge family, nine kids. My father was an underground pastor in Kiev, Ukraine during the time when it wasn't popular to really be a preacher. So my father, he risked his life preaching the gospel in the streets of Kiev. And it was a tough time for for all of us because during that time, everything was owned by the state. This was during the USSR times. And uh, so my father couldn't just start a business of his own. So because he was a Christian, he was persecuted and hindered from advancing in that society. So that led to having to settle for low paying jobs. And every time he was captured and written up, it greatly affected his pay even more. So he lost his bonuses and things like that, which as you can imagine, family of nine kids, you you need every dollar that comes in. And so it got to the point to where we had to take turns to go outside to play because we didn't have enough shoes for everybody in the family. I would take my shoes, put them on, go outside, play with my friends, come back, you know, take the shoes off, give it to the next person in line. And we also shared our toothbrushes, which was a humbling experience. And, um, but it, it, the way mom did it, she did it. She she dealt with that situation really well because after, let's say I, I would brush my teeth, I'd give my toothbrush to my mom and she would wash it with hot water and soap and then she would give it to the next person in line. So it, it wasn't gross. And uh, we didn't have access to a lot of toys either. So some of those things that we just went outside and we made our own things. We I remember vividly remember making this one yo-yo out of Coca-Cola caps and it was really cool. <laughs> To so this day, I'm very proud of, of, of that because back in those days, yo-yos were so popular we couldn't afford any, and uh, so what we would we would find Coca-Cola caps on the streets, and we would uh, drill little holes through the middle, put a little stick through, find some strings, and we made yo-yos. And they were and they would we would weigh them down with anything. It's something heavy like clay. But another thing we did to those yo-yos, which was really cool, we would uh, when you take the cap off a, a Coca-Cola bottle. There's this extra ring that sits on the cap. It like seals the cap. Uh, when you break that seal, it stays on the on the bottle. Well, we would remove that ring, and we would invert it. And so on the inside, this this little ring had little spikes. And so when you flip it, it it had the spikes would stick up. And so they're like little teeth. And we would slide on the ends of the Coca-Cola caps, those rings. And so our yo-yos like they were like weapons. <laughs> they would cut through paper, through grass. It, it was pretty cool. <laughs> Very creative. We, we also played with our, our shoes, uh, pretending that there were cars, airplanes, boats, used our imagination and something else we did. And I still do this with my boys to this day. So it was so visual. And I think it enhanced my creativity because I come from a family of creatives. I'm a graphic designer by trade. My, my twin brother mm-hmm. is a motion designer. My sister's a photographer. Just we have a lot of creatives in our family. And I think the reason why it contributed to our kids, you know, it's something we did as kids, we made our own toys. But the one thing in particular that we did was we would find a piece of paper. It was just like a blank cam- canvas. And on that piece of paper, we would recreate our neighborhood. We would draw like, you know, roads, um, buildings, and it-, it was like a map. And then on the separate piece of paper, we would draw cars, we drew cars that um, were... Proportional to the roads that we drew, and we would cut them out, and we would drive on top of those roads. It was like Google Map birds' eye view. is really sweet. And <laughs> now with my two boys, uh, we we tried to imp- we I always try to improve our product. And now we make everything in three D, and Ooh. we color. Yeah, we color the buildings, the roads, the cars. We introduce <laughs> different kinds of cars. Now we have even have airplanes, boats. So it's definitely something to try uh, with kids. I think it enhances their creativity. It was so much fun. But that's kind of what we had to do uh, to, um, you know, because we didn't have access to all these toys. So we just made our own toys. And as for food, we pretty much grew up on rice and potatoes, Mm -hmm. which I often jokingly say that we were vegetarians before it was (laughs) even cool, popular. And um, the place that we lived in was a tiny Soviet three-bedroom apartment. Mm -hmm. And as you can imagine, large family living in that place. And we didn't have a washer and a dryer. So my mom, she literally would have to do all the laundry by hand. And because of the amount of laundry my mom had to do, her skin would often crack and bleed. And mom, she would stay up all night and she would make socks and underwear out of old clothes or donated material. So my mom was also very resourceful. Uh, Sometimes people would donate different things to her and she would... those things would like, were like transformers, you know, our pants would right. transform to shorts <laughs> and then from shorts, they would transform to something else. So we just, there was a, a lot of imagination that had to be present during those times. And so in the middle of all that, outside of uh, that apartment, we, we were just uh, made fun of, persecuted for being Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, people did not like this idea that we believed in a God, that we were Christ followers. And, but you know, it's interesting now thinking back, I'm thinking, why were, why were they persecuting us? Cause you know, when you squeeze a Christian love should come out, right? It's kind of like squeezing an orange juice and apple yeah. juice coming out, it's kind of weird. It shouldn't be like that, right? But now I'm 35 years old now. And as I look, look back and think back, I often spend a lot of time just thinking about those days and I get it why they did what they did because you know, we, we, uh, we carry the light and light exposes darkness light exposes corruption and corrupt governments don't like the light so they try to put out the light and so that's uh that's my simple conclusion why we were that's that's kind of how i process it nowadays wow the reason why we were persecuted because we carry the light of jesus so and and the enemy is threatened by that
0: yeah for sure and in that framing that is actually that is actually quite an honor that because you are such a threat to the enemy That is why you draw attention. That is why they squeeze. That is why all of these things. But if we're not shining our light, if we are not making a difference, if we are not known for that, then we're going to be easily flying under the radar. But is that really what we want? And is that what we want for our children?
1: Uh, Right. It's not, it, it doesn't feel good in the moment being persecuted. I remember people made lies about us. You know, they would say the reason why Christians had such large families on tv that would say things like that is because they're pedophiles they're they do evil things to children and so walking around on the streets with uh, people thinking that you're the worst thing ever <laughs> it's it's not popular but wow. you know bible guar- guarantees persecution for us you know as because jesus was persecuted too and that's nothing that's that's nothing to be afraid of because god will not give you more than you can handle and uh, i think the best place to be as an assignment that's the safest place to be if God wants you to be where you need to be, you would be just fine. And that's what, why my father would boldly get up in the middle of the streets and preach the gospel the way hmm. that he did, because he knew that this is what God called him to do. And if he tried to play it safe, go somewhere else, uh, it's not gonna. It, he's actually less safe if you think about it somewhere else, because that's not where God called him to be. So he was right. faithful in where God called him.
0: Well, and and I have thought about that statement there so many times about how safe you are where God puts you, and as you know, as your kids get older, I have, I have one son that I I talk about quite a bit. He has, I I think he's uniquely gifted and called to serve in really hard places. He has served in inner city ministries and some really difficult environments, and. You know you kind of look ahead at that when he was planning to go and and stuff like that and it's it there is a little bit of trepidation and yet while he was there despite the stories that i was hearing of what was going on around him i i truly did not fear for him it was like god just made it so clear that that was his plan that that I, he removed all of that fear. I think that's where you get that peace that passes understanding because I should have been freaking out. Um, but God is so good, no matter where he puts you, no matter how he plants you, he is going to give you the grace and he's going to equip you to do exactly what he's called you to do there. Um, so I I really appreciate your perspective on that. I also I wanted to follow up on it. Actually, I I need to follow up on this yo-yo thing, first of all, Um, because it's genius. And I'm wondering if you shouldn't do like a YouTube or some tutorial. I think you can, you know, the whole new business is teaching kids how to make toys like this. I think it'd go huge viral. So
1: that's a good idea. You know, I was um, sharing my testimony last year. I can't remember where exactly it was. I think it was in Virginia. And this lady, she was listening to me share my testimony and then afterwards i think she had like two two bottles of diet coke or something like that and she was able to recreate the same yo-yo because nowadays the coca-cola bottles don't really have those spikes anymore like they um like the ones that uh, we made but for some reason those two bottles had them and she <laughs> she made them with the spikes and everything and i, I was just blown away and if so i have it somewhere here where i can't find it right that's tomorrow.
0: awesome that's awesome well you're gonna have to you're gonna have to send me a picture or something i need yeah, to see this um, it was but I, uh, back, I was blown back, away by it. Yeah. <laughs> back to somewhat more serious things. Um, I, I you've mentioned a couple of times as you've told your story about decisions that your dad made boldly to stand or the industriousness and creativity of your mom. I want you to talk about your family and the dynamic of your family and how your parents were able to shepherd you guys through those difficult times, help you keep a perspective that wasn't bitter or broken, but rather to see, I mean, you've come out of this with with a perspective of of God allowed this to happen because we were actually a threat to the darkness. Um, How did you get there? What did your parents do or say or model for you guys that actually gave you that kind of a mindset.
1: You know, I used to think that was a curse going through that kind of kinds of things, but now I think it's the best thing that ever happened in my life. What a blessing Mm. it is for somebody to go through something like that. And I, sometimes I I feel sorry and sad for those that aren't, or that will never have that opportunity to go through those levels of poverty because what it teaches you and what I've observed my parents over all those years, it's not that my parents have something that others don't. We all have the same Holy Spirit. And it's just that in poverty, when you have nothing, your only source is God. Mm -hmm. When you have a lot of things, you know, you have money problems, you have credit cards you can lean on. You have health issues, you have insurance you can go to and lean on. You have – there's just – I feel like in first world countries, it's harder to work on your faith. It's harder to grow your faith because everything is readily available. But in third world countries, especially where I came from at that time, there's so much uncertainty. You had no choice, but to lean into the Holy spirit, you had, you had to get connected to that unlimited source of creativity to, to Jesus. You had to be so plugged in and so on the same page, because if you weren't, that's when trouble would would come. And Mm -hmm. so people heavily, you exercise your, your uh, faith muscle much more when you have nothing. And Mm -hmm. so, and that's kind of like, you know, now living in the first world country and coming from that world. That's what I'm learning is that you don't have to have much faith to live in first world, first world countries, because everything is so readily available. But in third world countries, what I learned from my parents is that how, how, much of an effort that put in to truly seeking the Lord, they would ask for specific instructions, directions, because there was no wiggle room, you you mm-hmm. had to either God shows up or they starve, God shows up or they get locked up. And even in church services, pr- church members would pray, because they had to meet in the middle of the woods and all different locations, because they were heavily persecuted. They had to pray, and and let's say they they had three different locations. That people say, "Hey, let's meet at these three different locations." And they would pray as a church for God to reveal where to go, so that way they wouldn't be written up, arrested. Wow! And every time the and people would have dreams and visions of street addresses and where to go, and they would they followed that closely. But the, the few times that they disobeyed, that's when they got arrested. And so mm-hmm. so long story short, what I learned from my parents is that they didn't have some kind of tricks and things and skills that uh, others had. They're just the only thing, all they had was Jesus, and that's the only yeah. thing that they relied on. And I think the more, less is more, right? The, the more sources you have of things you lean on, um, I think the harder it is. But if you just limit to just one source, Jesus, he'll give you everything you need.
0: That's, yeah, that's amazing. And, and the stories of the necessity for obedience and the, you know, the, the importance of that, the recognition that all you have of Jesus or is Jesus is, is so important. And it's something that I think, like you noted before, we have so much and really there is no huge pressure on us. We can meet freely. We can, you know, there we my family goes to church on Sunday we have a small group through the week we're gathering we're open we're doing all of these things um and we're able to communicate freely so the that when the stakes are very different when you know if you make a mistake on that if you're not walking in obedience that you know you you are exposing yourself to persecution to arrest to whatever that's a whole different mindset and it's a really interesting thing to consider as even as we are praying about specific things with our families here, we need to be much more diligent in the way that we pray, but also in the way that we listen for those answers and when we walk in what we're told. Um, so great reminder. And I'm, I'm so grateful for that. Uh, I'll be, I'll be chewing on that for a while. So thank you for that. Awesome. Um, so beyond I, clearly your family, your parents, this walk of faith, but you know, here in the states, we have all of these ways to um, to outsource discipleship. I guess is is kind of really what it amounts to. You all wouldn't have had that same kind of opportunity, so the, your discipleship truly was on your parent's shoulder which I believe is exactly where it belongs and is the best way to accomplish it. What kind of things did they do to help you guys stay focused on truth and to pass on that faith that they were so clearly walking in so that it became a guiding light for you and your siblings as well.
1: That's a great question. You know, my my mom she always uh, prayed so much. And she always asked that God would send us her children mentors in all areas of life. Cause she said, look, I, I can only do so much. I can only share so much. And she prayed and asked for mentors during the time when, because we come from such a large family, nine kids in the culture where two and the dog was kind of like the norm. She was heavily criticized for having such a large family because they would say things like, you know, you can't raise But you can't provide for this family as is like, what are you doing bringing all these kids in the world? They're going to grow up to be criminals and they're going to steal, Mm -hmm. kill, destroy. And no parent wants to hear that. And so what my mom did was so beautiful. I wish everyone did. I, I try to do that as much as possible, but she just started praying and she, she would take her hands and she would, which each pregnancy, she would put her hands on, on the belly. and, And then later she would just put hands on us. And she would speak the opposite of what was heard. What she heard about us, she would speak. She would say things like, "My kids will grow up and they will serve the Lord. Everything they touch will prosper. They'll be the head, not the tail." And you know what's so interesting now? Twenty some years later. My mom is still praying. Seven o'clock is her prayer time. You don't call mom at seven o'clock. You call her at 6.50 to put on, <laughs> put in your prayer request. Uh, you know, but seven <laughs> to eight, that's her prayer time. And same thing for my my dad wakes up every morning. He says, I mention everybody by name to God. And I mm-hmm. pray that God, that everybody will find their purpose and fulfill their purpose. That's, that's always been their prayer that not only find the purpose, but fulfill it. And um, my prayer is that, you know, I, I will hear the words, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's my prayer for my kids and mm-hmm. my, myself. But that's what they did. And, you know, years later, I can't say that my parents did everything mm-hmm. perfectly. Family nine kids, they're so stretched thin. There's so much on their plates. It's just it was tough for them. But in every stage of my life and as, as I look around my, my brothers and sisters, everybody's here doing well for themselves. But there's always a mentor that just mm-hmm. showed up randomly some godly person some through all my stages to mentor me through where my parents lacked somebody else uh, stepped in and mentored me so i think the wisest thing my mom and dad did that they realized that they're limited they can't give everything to us but they realized that god uses people and mm-hmm. if you just ask for mentors god will send mentors
0: well and it's so important i'm so glad that you brought up mentors um because you know the bible is so clear about our need for engaging in those mentor discipleship type relationships with one another the older women the younger women the older men the younger men etc et um and yet we tend to be so lax in doing it it's you know so lax in asking either you know can i help can i get involved in your life or i need help and and we need to get beyond that we need to actually be actively pursuing that and i love how your parents prayed That way for you, because it is such a biblical prayer and such an important thing. Because God, in his wisdom, oh, is so faithful to send people along at just the right time for each stage of your life, like you noted, that can help you right where you are. And, um, and when we trust our children to a God that will send the right people. It's a it's a pretty amazing thing, but it's yet another example of walking by faith. It's just a different manifestation. Instead of walking by faith that they're going to eat today, it's walking by faith that my 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 God that loves my children more than me can take care of sending someone along to walk alongside them. And that is it's a great reminder for us to to trust God with those mentor relationships for our kids.
1: Absolutely, I mean there, there's a saying in, in uh, Ukrainian Russian saying. Uh, in, in Russian, it goes like this, which means you can't leave your house without God. I mean, the direct translation means so, so much deeper, but if I would translate it to English, is basically don't even leave your house without without God. Like mm. you just, back in those days, it was just dangerous to even step outside. They tr- they had to rely on God 100%. And um, if there's anything that I got away from my parents is that first seek the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and the rest will be added unto you. That's, that, that's what I would... Narrow it down to.
0: That's amazing. I'm actually writing down that don't even leave your house without God. That is, again, that the mindset, the the reality for us here today, and the reality for your parents raising their children in Ukraine at that time, especially, um, is so very, very different. And, and I am I am ashamed to say that I often leave my house without asking for protection without asking for direction without you know giving that outing to the lord because i take that safety for granted and yet you know the bible tells us we're not we're not promised tomorrow take no thought to to you know redeem every moment that i'm given and when i when i don't take those moments seriously when i do take time for granted i'm not doing that and again just more to to really chew on we can learn so much from our brothers and sisters who have, who have grown up with very different realities from us. And, and that, I think, is just another mentoring relationship. It's not physical right together, but hearing stories like yours about your parents and the way that you all grew up is so instructive for us here today. And so I'm, I'm so grateful uh, for your willingness to share and tell us about it. How is... Your background, the way that you grew up, your love for God that was passed on to you, and that you know really nurtured in you—how is that impacting your relationship with your children and how you're bringing them up here in North Carolina, in the states?
1: <laughs> it's a good, good question. You know, I, I, moving from a first world or third world country to the first world country, there's, there was a stage where I feel like I had to figure things out because there's just a lot to process all at mm-hmm. once and i'm gonna do what my parents did i'm just gonna point at jesus i'm gonna say look daddy's flawed don't be looking at me i'm a terrible jesus don't be like- <laughs> exactly <laughs> but one thing i can't do is pray and um you know I, th- I feel like as parents we beat ourselves up so much uh, because we try to do everything in our own strength and i certainly try to do that a little too much and um, to the point to where i see people just struggle with depression anxiety it's just constantly stressed i think we're just mm-hmm. not meant to carry that kind of burden and my, my answer is what my mom and dad always did. That's always just, just give it to Jesus, hmm. pray, pray more, you know, something that I've been doing for a while, you know, in the 21st century, I called modern day 21st century prayer because we're so busy. It's so hard to just sit still for more than five minutes. Just there's so much going on. We're always processing so many different things, but every day I've been waking up at five 30 and just writing my prayer for like mm-hmm. 45 minutes. It's three pages writing. My, it, it kind of, um, puts me in that meditative state where i'm just writing and because when you write where it's kind of like reading you know when you read something you see it and you speak it in your mind it it goes in deeper into your subconscious so when you write your prayer out you see your words and you meditate on what you're saying and then like at some point it's like the ink takes over i ask a question like god give me guidance in this area and then all of a sudden i'll just pay attention to what god's speaking to me and i just write it out and it's been powerful god's been speaking to me through ink so I feel like in the 21st century, sometimes um, we're so uh, busy, sometimes it's hard for us to pause because social media and everything else kind of killed our attention span. Yeah. That I think that's a good starting point for somebody. Maybe write your prayers and then yeah. take the next step and just sit in silence and see what God has for you. Don't take it on your own shoulders. Let God, Holy Spirit be your, your uh, like family coach, right? He'll tell you. You just need exactly. to get quiet
0: well that's true and and getting quiet like you noted is so hard and and that too in this day and age is is truly a walk of faith because we we want the noise we kind of crave the noise now because we're so used to it the noise is comforting and yet sitting still writing i love that you brought up writing your prayers i have I I have done that for years, and the cool thing about that is you can always go back and see like this thread of how God worked, and you're able to let your children in on what God is doing in a way that you can't if it's all happening in your own head, so that is a great strategy, but then just being still, asking God to clear your mind so that you can hear him. Um, We're told over and over to be still and know that I am God, and yet we Like, move as far away from that. We busy ourselves with good things a lot of times, but we're so busy that we can't hear that still small voice. And so we're wondering why God never speaks to us. And the truth of the matter is, we've just cluttered everything up so much we can't hear Him.
1: That's the truth. That's the truth. Well, how
0: are you getting your kids then now they're six and nine, which is such a great age to start getting involved and really seeing needs around them? How are you trying to pass off a an acknowledgement of need or a, a, a way of, to practically show the love of Jesus to other people at the stage that they're at.
1: Well, that's where Operation Christmas Child comes in. You know, it's one thing to tell somebody you're, you're, you're blessed. You've got everything. It's kind of like with my kids, uh, sometimes in the morning or just, they eat and they don't finish everything and they're just like eh, i don't want i don't want steak you yeah. <laughs> don't want steak yeah they'll they'll just have this like first world the kind of view on things and i used to get frustrated I used to tell them ah oh, you just don't understand how good you have it mm-hmm. and then you know in meditation i just sat there and just like man why why don't they just why don't why don't they get it Like, they have it so good. I I can tell them stories after stories after stories. It's one ear and not the other. But when God, I feel like, spoke to me and said, look, it's not about telling. It's showing, right? And same thing with Operation Christmas Child. It's um, You get to go and actually pack for somebody in need. And as you're packing for somebody in need, putting essentials in there, you tell stories how this is going to go to Johnny across the world. This is going to go to another child who doesn't have anything and, and so it gives you an opportunity to in a tangible way to kind of demonstrate what generosity looks like and then why do we do what we do and did you know that the shoebox not only blesses the child but the parent i always say the best way to show love to to a parent is through their to do something nice mm-hmm. for their children i can imagine when we were opening my shoe boxes or our shoe boxes back when we received them i'm sure mom was probably in the corner crying, just observing all of us, you know, kids just being kids enjoying opening up box. I'm sure she experienced so much love because love is, is contagious. It spreads like wildfire touches so many people. It, it can change everything, right? Love, perfect love, casts out all fear. And uh, you can't fight love and win You just can't. And so that's what it is. It's love in the box. It's yeah. tangible love because you pray for those boxes. And I believe that when you pray over anything in Jesus name, it changes frequencies and becomes like, a box full of love and child, but just being in the presence of the uh, presence of that box, just experiencing that love that somebody did something so special with no strings attached unconditionally. I think that to me, that's what, you know, everyone has different um, experiences with the shoebox, But for me, what was so hard to process was this idea. Why would somebody do something so special for little Vladimir over here who doesn't know them, didn't do anything to deserve it. it you know, it's just it, it messed me up in a weird way because it was like, why would somebody do something so nice? Like they, they'll probably never meet me, ever, and yet they took their time, their money, the resources to do something so special. And that's what unconditional love is. That's what unconditional love with no strings attached looks like. So it's those shoeboxes, and not only that, but children are also with these shoeboxes. They're after they receive their shoeboxes, they're invited to come and participate in a. Uh, 12 lesson discipleship program where they learn more about who jesus is how to have a relationship with jesus and my personal favorite how to share jesus with others so it's all about evangelism discipleship and multiplication and that's where the magic happens that's where not only do children get to experience that love in a tangible way but then they get to learn about the perfect unconditional love. They learn about Jesus and then they learn how to be Jesus. So they share that good news with others. And let me tell you, good news travels fast, wow. especially in the darkest parts of the world. You know, we're, we're the light. And what happens to a dark room when the light comes on, right? All the darkness has to go away. And that's what these boxes are they're the light of Jesus. And uh, when people experience the unconditional love, they can first, they can never say that they've never, no one ever showed them love. They can never mm. say that. But most importantly, it puts it plants a seed in their heart of love. It's just a small act of kindness, and then even if they did, for some reason, if nobody they fall through the cracks and they don't hear the gospel, that love is still going to be in their heart. And years later, somebody will come around and they will water that love. Yeah. And the the ripple effect is huge. This year we're we're going to collect our 200th, uh, 200 millionth shoebox. That's I'm crazy. just one of over 200 million cheap box recipients um, that's just amazing and the ripple effect that's just yeah. the boxes that we count but on average i'm sure it touches more than just one life no question. so it's just it's a powerful powerful project to to demonstrate to your kids what unconditional love and generosity truly looks like without just saying things but actually you know pre- preach the gospel and if you have to use words right yeah. it's showing demonstrating that's where how kids learn i feel like the best
0: no, no question. And, you know, I have talked to several men and women over the last few years who have in their childhood received a shoebox and without exception, the impact that that made on them, but then every one of them has noted the impact that it made, the ripples that went out in their community, like you noted with your within your family, the way that it, this simple gift that doesn't seem... Like much of a stretch for us at all. In fact, our family, especially when the kids were younger, we would make a night out of it. We would go, the kids would shop, the girls for girl boxes, the boys for boy boxes. Um, we had so much fun and it took all of our eyes off of what we wanted, what we were hoping we would get. Mm-hmm. And, and they recognized the Unbelievable joy that comes when you are thinking of others, when you are doing things for other people, when you are praying for the people that will be impacted by those gifts. So powerful to give them a taste of what what loving people God's way really truly is and that Mm. that self-abasing that I'm not even worried about myself in this I am so excited to give this to them and then just kind of tracking it I love too the way that with Operation Christmas Child you can actually see where that box is going And that is so amazing because as you see kind of the path it's taking, you're able to learn more about the culture. You're able to start praying more specifically for the children in that area Mm -hmm. because you're not just shooting it out randomly into the world. You are sending it specifically to You know, in your case, the Ukraine, and you know the boys and girls there that are going to be impacted in the communities, and you're able to pray very, very specifically. And that gives your children an even more tangible, even more real, even more, um, it makes it very personal to them. And it was always, I I always was um, just amazed by how personal it was to my kids to even though we didn't know the names of the child that those boxes were going to, they were real boys and girls. They they could be their friends. And they were so excited for when they got to open, you know, whatever it was. I remember one year we did little tools for the boys, and my boys were geeking out. They were so excited about what was going there. But but they loved that they were able to send it. So it really, truly is a phenomenal tool for, for parents to show their children how to show Jesus's love in a very tangible way.
1: Absolutely. And I will add to that, that, you know, generosity is a muscle, just like faith and what you don't use, you lose. And, you know, if you don't exercise generosity diminishes and and same thing with faith and everything else and love and, it, it, that's what it does. It stir it sh- it um, creates the generosity muscle, and mm-hmm. we all know that those that give will receive so much more. And, and so, I want my kids to be generous. In, a, in a, I guess in a small way, it's it's even a, a selfish thing because I want to by being generous, they're going to reap so much more. It's the yeah. so most selfish thing you can do by being generous. <laughs> And the most selfish thing you can do is to love somebody because what you get out of it is so much more than even the shoebox recipient because it makes <laughs> you feel good to give. It makes you feel like you're contributing, it makes you feel when you send love, it comes back to you seven times more. Yeah. And so if that's why I want my kids to do those things, because it's like a boomerang it comes back to you so much more. And I feel like the reason why a lot of third world countries stay poor is because their mindset is. Give me, give me, give me! Mm. F- among the the people, they don't understand the sowing and reaping. They don't understand that, uh, you know, if you don't use love, it, it diminishes. The, if you don't exercise that love and, and generosity, mm. and so uh, coming from that world and seeing in America how everyone is so generous with time, with money, with resources, that's what I want more of. Because the, you know, again, mm. it's the most selfish thing you can do because it will make you seven times happier. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well and and for us to be able to really whet our children's appetite for that, where they start actually hungering for that that those rewards honestly the the joy that you get by loving on others and by being generous towards others, we as parents are so privileged to be able to introduce them to that while they're young, so that that becomes their norm as they grow up. It'll be so much easier for them than trying to develop habits. When they have a lot more pressure on them to think Absolutely. of, you know, providing their own way, we're able to just make that just part of, of the fabric of their lives and their heart. And it is such a great discipleship tool.
1: Yeah, I remember when the first time we were packing shoe boxes with my kids, they're like, Mommy, Daddy, why are we sending? I want that. I'm like, yeah. oh, here, let me tell you why we're doing this. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, at first, uh, you know, you lead by example. If you're not generous, how do you expect your kids to be generous? And so I think it's, it's mm-hmm. a good practice to start. And, and But for me, what was most touching when we moved to the United States, just learning the culture, is we moved to the volunteer state, the Tennessee, and how people are so generous with their time. The volunteering concept to me is, was foreign. I never, wow. um, never seen people volunteer their time so much because time is the most precious resource. And you can always get more money, but you can't get more time. And for me, that, that was always interesting that people give their time freely for, to you know, we have so many volunteers around the, in the country, thousands, people show up, to pack shoeboxes. That to me was probably the most touching thing is how generous people are with their time. And you can get involved with Operation Christmas Child on so many different levels. You can volunteer in, in media, in, uh, you know, church relations. There's so many different opportunities that even for adults that, that can get involved in children. So it, again, if you're looking to get involved, it's the best project, uh, not only for the children, but also for yourself. Because again, when you, when you're, you'll be around some amazing, powerful, awesome people, beautiful people. And you know, you're the average of the, of what is it, the five people you spend most time with. And yep. you'll be around some yep. awesome people. And so you, in the end, you'll pretty much be an angel. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're just upgrading your people group so much. Because they're <laughs>
1: angels. The vo- people that volunteer Operation Christmas South, they're just they're just angels. I met a yeah. lot of them and they're just a pure heart. Beautiful people.
0: Well, praise the Lord. Vlad, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us. Can you tell us where um where our families can get more information about packing these shoe boxes. I'll be sure to link and give lots of information in the show notes because I don't want you to miss it, everybody. But Vlad, Vlad. can you tell us a little bit about how the process works?
1: So you can go to samaritspurse.org slash OCC. It's always third week of November. This year, it's uh, November 14th through the 21st is when... So you pack a shoe box. uh, I always say... uh, Pray about who you want to pack for. Just get a shoebox. And in faith, just pay attention to what God is uh, telling your heart. Every year, I, I just pause and think, hey, God, what do you, who do you want me to pack for? Last year was for a, a person who was just uh, an artist. So I packed everything, like all the mm-hmm. art supplies and things like that, because I felt like that's what the Holy Spirit told me to do. Most importantly, pray over those boxes. And then, uh, during the collection week, national collection week, which is the week of November, November 14th through 21st, you can go to SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC, and you'll see thousands of locations all across the country. They'll be very close to your house. A lot of churches participate during these, uh, during the national collection week. And, uh, that's where you can, uh, drop off your shoe box, but, uh, most importantly, go to SamaritansPurse.org so you can watch all the testimonies. You'll see my right. testimony. You see so many other shoebox recipients. There's so many um, videos that you can see and show to your group. And if you have time to give, consider becoming a year round volunteer. It's again, it will change your life, guaranteed.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing with us. It has been. It has been an encouragement to my heart. I've been challenged. It's always so good to hear the perspectives of people who didn't grow up the way that you did because so many of the things that you said I just had never considered. I'd never considered that volunteering or giving was what was countercultural to other other places because we do make such a big deal out of it here. Whether Christians, non-Christians alike, we're do-gooders a lot of times. <laughs> so, you know, to to actually stop and think, wow, I am so privileged to bring my kids up where they're this is all around them. That these are thoughts that I think it's it's just good for us to stop and evaluate and think about how God has been so gracious to us where we are but also think about the downsides of those the noise the the taking things for granted the not not looking to jesus for everything because we feel so self-sufficient kind of keep those things in balance and i i think that that's been a challenge not just to me but i guarantee you to everyone else listening so thank you for your authenticity and for sharing like you did today it's been a blessing
1: Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Well,
0: you are very welcome. To everyone else, thank you for hanging out with us today. I know that this has been a challenge to you. It's been a great, great time um, hearing from Vlad. I hope that if you've never done an Operation Christmas child's shoebox or multiple shoeboxes before, that this will be the year that you dive in. Take your kids, go shopping, pray like Vlad noted, pray over the type of boxes that you're putting together. Be very strategic in that because the Lord knows exactly which child is going to receive that. And he can direct it in that way. So take this seriously. It is such a great discipleship tool. And it will become a tradition that I think your family will look forward to every single year. There was planning going on into our shoeboxes early, early in the season um, as my kids started making making plans and thinking towards what they were going to pack that year. So kind of takes over your whole year, which is a really awesome thing because every time you think about it, you're prompted to think about and pray for the one who will receive it and to pray for open hearts and that Jesus's love will make an impact in dark places. So get involved in this ministry. Check the show notes. I will leave you all of the links that you need to do that effectively. If you have any questions, leave a comment. We'll try to come back and forth and answer those for you There's some great ideas on the OCC website. If you're kind of at a loss for what to do, go check it out. So go to the show notes, get the links that you need to to be able to pack those and get those where they need to be and make this part of your family's discipleship efforts um, and really your holiday efforts every single year. Have a great rest of your week and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. joining us today. We believe that every family is called to Teach Them Diligently, so we're here to help. We would love to get to know you this year at one of our four live Teach Them Diligently events, and then throughout the year when you become part of the Teach Them Diligently 365 community. Check out the notes from today's show for more details about what we discussed today, as well as all of these other resources that Teach Them Diligently has to offer. Have a wonderful day, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon.